Blog Talk Radio. Kingway, Spock's beard, Locker's acting very weird. Captain Pike, Cisco's wife, Klingons and the afterlife. Boimler, Tendi's dog, Ransom is very hot. Four drive, black alert, Giorgio has gone berserk. Teacher, bad left, Edward is an idiot, Spock is dead, Wolf is wed, Chekhov's wearing red. Data's cat, Kempak's at, you has had enough of that, beam me up, make it so, everybody let's go. We are God, I just love that song. It always gets me in the mood for track talking, and that's what we're doing tonight. We're track talking. It's Thursday night. We're live. Our phone number here is 646-668-2433. And guess what, guys? The wait is over. If you're in the United States or Canada, the wait is over, and Star Trek Discovery has hit, and we are going to talk about it, spoilers and all, but not till the end of the show. So you got time to run over, have some, have some dinner, get some chicken wings, have some pizza, whatever, um, and then give us a call and talk about Discovery. It's going to be great. But first, we have to talk about Prodigy. We have last week's episode of Prodigy and the one that was on tonight, and that will put us right up the schedule. We'll be right up back on our normal schedule. There will be no show next week because it's Thanksgiving here in the United States. So uh, we'll be talking about episode two of Discovery the Thursday after Thanksgiving. So that's what's going to be going on. Um, I'm your most excellent host, Uncle Jim. And with me as usual are my Trexperts. And we'll start out with Eric. He's out in Portland. How are you doing tonight, Eric? I am doing very, very good. We are having a nice rainy day here in Portland. And I feel like I have gorged absolutely gorged on Star Trek over the last two days, and it has been quite a good time. Oh, it's been awesome. It, it, it's it's a Trekkie's dream. <laughs> All this it, Star it Trek, it's, know, it's great. I, <laughs> I even watched the Ready Room. <laughs> so, Woo-hoo. yeah, it's, it's, it's exciting. And we also have with us Charles. Charles is out in Las Vegas. How are you doing tonight, Charles? I'm doing good. Since we won't get a chance at the end, I thought I'd bring up something interesting I did over the past weekend that you saw some pictures of. We had a special event called Construction and Construction and Cancer, and it was a event where kids could come in and play on different vehicles, construction vehicles. We had an older bus. We had California Highway Patrol. We had SWAT truck. All kinds of stuff. The kids got to go. Well, it was sponsored by a, um, I forgot the group. It's a comic, it's a Comic Con group that dresses up. And they invited other people to come join them. So several of us from the USS Windrunner and a few from the Hyperion all came in in Star Trek uniforms. 
and wandered around getting pictures with everybody. We got a whole group picture. We had so many. We had Marvel heroes. We had DC heroes. And Jack was running around. We had a couple princesses. We had so many, so many people in costumes, cosplaying, running around. It was so much fun. But if I get a chance, I'll try to get that picture posted. Now, did you wave your bat lift around and everybody wanted to come over and touch it? I don't have a bat lift. I was actually carrying a uh, Starfleet flag. Well, that works. And I did have somebody come over and steal my flag. The uh, mascot, local AAA baseball team, at one point came by and took the flag away from me. He won the picture, but I wasn't there. You got to watch those pesky Area 51 aliens. They'll do that to you. Uh, it wasn't an alien. It was a. It was a duck. A duck. A duck. Was his name Howard? We're aviators now. <laughs> we're, we're aviators now, not aliens. Ah, yes. <laughs> that sounds really cool, wow. Charles. It sounds super duper that, cool. That does sound fun. That sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah, um, guys, um, you can look us up on Facebook at Trek Talking and Beyond. Spell that all out. Head on over there. Give us a like. Give us a follow. You'll never miss a podcast. All of the podcasts are posted there. You'll get a notification in your email, so you'll never miss us. So go over there and check that out. We have 74,088 followers as of showtime. Just let that sink in, Eric. It's amazing, and I'm, uh, and Jim, we just hit 60, like, I don't even know, like three or four weeks ago? I, I don't know what's going on here. We just, I, it, the support for our podcast right now is unbelievable. It just makes and, our hearts all warm and fuzzy. And 51,605 downloads. So, it's pretty good. It's pretty wow. good. That's a lot That's of rough. listeners. And before we get into the show, though, there's something I want to talk about. Um, a little bit here. I, I, I have to admit, I don't know a lot about it because I, I live here. I, I'm in Vermont, the United States. Um, Eric is in the United States. Charles is in the United States. Um, and even GM Chris is in Canada. So I don't know the ins and outs and intricacies of this whole situation, but mm-hmm. I am humbled. I am yeah. so humbled that, that so many people, um, of the 74,088 fans think that, that I have some type, well, that our podcast um, has, (laughs) has some type of, of, of poll or, or say over what happens um, in Star Trek. Um, None of us work for Paramount um, at all. None of us have any connection in any way, shape or form to Paramount. And none of us have anything to do with international uh, viewing rules and laws and lockouts or, or any of that. So, um, you know, sending me nasty notes about why I won't let you watch Discovery, um, I, I'm very, very sorry that you can't. And if it was up to me, I would let everybody in the world watch it any time they wanted because I'm not into, I think all this blackout and regional stuff is all a bunch of crap anyways. You know, as many people as want to watch a show or a sporting event should be allowed to. And I, I'm not a lawyer, so I don't understand why that is. But 
I'm with you guys. I am truly with you. Um, I feel your pain that you cannot watch Discovery, but I have nothing to do with it. Zero. Zip. In fact, if Paramount called me up right now, if they're listening to this podcast, they called me up, I'd say, let them watch it. Let them all watch it. Okay? Yeah, um, and Jim, just for, talking, just for, yeah, just for, just yep. for any listeners who don't know what we're talking about, we're, we're, we just kind of recently learned, I think it was today or maybe yesterday, um, about the fact that they were pulling Discovery off of some of these uh, places like Netflix that international uh, viewers can uh, – can see this show. So it, it feels like uh, everybody was kind of blindsided by this and we totally sympathize with you. We wish you could watch it because it's ridiculous. I mean, right. You were all geared up to watch it and all of a sudden you're not able to, and there was no warning. So um, just know that you have our, our condolences, our support, and man, we wish things could be different for you all. If, if I could download the episodes onto our Facebook page so that you yeah. guys could watch them, I would do it tomorrow, <laughs> but Facebook won't allow me. I, I, I can't help you. I'm, I, I am so sorry for that. And, and we, we here at this, this podcast have nothing to do with that. So yeah. all the nasty emails that you're that I've been getting about how we could do this to you and you're going to just, you're not going to follow our page because of this and you're, you're not going to listen to the podcast. We have nothing to do with it. And, and I apologize that you can't watch it, but we, we, we're just fans like you. Um, so just bear that in mind that, you know, me and Charles and Eric, we're just Star Trek. We're just Trekkies. <laughs> just like you. So we're, we're nothing <laughs> as special. You can, as you can tell by, you know, Jim's cat occasionally jumping on his head or uh, the train occasionally <laughs> rolling by in the background of my uh you know, a home booth here. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're just, we're just people. And, and also I just want to say that um, I know it's easy to say because we watched it, but I just want to, I've been pointing out to people on Facebook all day long. You remember a couple of months ago when they pulled all the Star Trek movies off Paramount plus, we had a story. We talked about it on this podcast. I think it was, Three months ago, Eric, you read that story? Yeah, it was, it was probably two or three months ago where they, they had finally all come on, and then they pulled a bunch of them off. Yeah. They pulled them all off because of international licensing rights and blah, blah, blah. And then there was no Star Trek movies were not on Paramount+. Plus. And then a month later, what happened? They're all Ooh. there. What do they're you there to stay, and they're not going anywhere. Um, they're all available on Paramount+, Plus. period. <laughs> and... I, in yeah. my, and again, I just want to preface this by saying I don't have a crystal ball and I have no connection at all with Paramount Plus or any of this. But from a business point of view, Paramount owns Star Trek and they want to be the home of Star Trek. That's what's driving Paramount Plus right now are you guys, are us, Star Trek fans. They know that and they don't want to alienate you guys. And piss us all off. That's that's the last thing that they want to do. However, getting back to the thing that I'm not a lawyer, they have all these contracts out there, and none of us knows what what these contracts are all about or what they specify or any of that. But I honestly think that if if you sit back and be patient and wait for the lawyers to work all of this out, you will see that Paramount Plus will be the home of all Star Trek all the time 
from this point on. And that's what they're after, and that's what's going to happen. And when all the dust settles, you will be able to watch Star Trek for $5.99 a month on any device, at any time, any show, any movie. And that really is the end game. And um, well, that's I don't a, know how and that's in the United do. States, Jim, because they're, I think what Paramount needs to work out here is they need, if they want Paramount to be, Paramount Plus to be the home, they also have to figure out how to get Paramount Plus to all these international countries. I mean, so many of our listeners come from Europe, come from Africa, come from Malaysia, come from all over the world. And so many of these places are the places right now that at the Paramount Plus there isn't six bucks a month and doesn't offer them Star Trek, you know? So it's, that's the frustrating part of it right now is they don't even have an option. They're like, nope, yeah, I, UK I, won't see it for I, a year. I mean, come on. I think they're going to work. I think they're going to work it do. out. I really hope they do. I, I think they, because they're putting a lot of money. Uh, the last time I heard, it was $6 million an episode to produce Discovery. Um, I, I have no idea what it costs for Picard. I don't know what it's costing them for Strange New Worlds, which we have not even seen yet. We have Prodigy and we have Lower Decks, and you know they want to get this out to as many fans as possible. So you know it's not in their best interest to say that that Joe and in Iraq can't watch Star Trek. It just mm-hmm. it's just not in their best interest. Um, but it has to be worked out. Legally. Yeah, it's, it's got to be complex, right? Working with all these different countries and all their different rules and that kind of stuff. And I'm sure as big as a, a movie studio as, as Paramount Plus is, there's got to be some hurdles that they're jumping over. And hopefully they are. I agree with you, Jim. I think they want this to be available everywhere for everybody. Um, and some of their contracts are just running out. I don't know if this one with Netflix recently here was planned. The timing of that was really unfortunate where I think – I think I read somewhere that the Netflix license ran out like two days before um, the premiere of Discovery. So all these international listeners, particularly the ones in the UK I was following, said, you know, they were gearing up for watching the show. And then all of a sudden they weren't going to be able to watch the show. So that was a bummer. And hopefully hopefully they get it corrected soon here. I hope that they do. And and I, I I have faith that eventually it will. They said 2022, and that's of 2022 technically is just a few weeks away uh, we're going into thanksgiving then we're going to be going into christmas then it's new year so 2022 isn't that far off and um i really think they're going to get it for you guys i i really do they want you to watch their product and i think they're going to do everything in their power to get it to you um i just don't know when unfortunately and trust me if we find out anything We'll get it posted on our Facebook page, and we'll talk about it right here on this show. So that, that's – you guys want to add anything about this before we move on? I'm good, well, man. I think that's, that's it. Yep. Yeah, not much we can do. Yep. We, we're just uh, a bunch of Star Trek fans, so um, I apologize. <laughs> Stop sending me hate mail. I, I yeah, have I no control <laughs> over <the> it. Thing. <laughs> You'll okay. notice this is really – we really just want the hate mail to stop. <laughs> if, if I could push a magic button and beam Star Trek to every single one of you guys, oh, you would awesome. be watching it right now. I swear. Me, I know Jim. He would. He I, definitely would. I would. You, like, I, would yeah. I have no problem. I would post it right on our Facebook page for all of you to watch. But Facebook would block it. YouTube yeah. would block it. 
So I apologize. Anyways, it's not our fault, and I just wanted to move on from that, okay? Because I'm tired of of, of getting these messages and, and, and trying to defend ourselves. We we have nothing to do with it. So, anyways, without any further ado, speaking of our international listeners, we're going to talk about fan shoutouts. And to get your name mentioned in a fan shoutout, all you need to do is head over to our Facebook page, Trek Talking and Beyond, and you'll see the Live Long and Prosper pinned to the top of the page. Just stop there and uh, tell us where you're listening from. And every week I pick out 15 lucky listeners. If you see a heart next to your name from Trek Talking, that means yours truly, Uncle Jim, has chosen you, and your name will be mentioned in a future fan shout-out. So, Eric, who is on your list for fan shout-outs this week? We are front-loaded with some excellent places, names, and countries. Uh, Given shout-out first, number one, to Renee Arpod from Schagen in North Holland, the Netherlands. Renee, thank you for listening to us. That's so cool. We always have so many listeners from the Netherlands. And uh, I looked up where Schagen is. It looks like it's a fine little place to live. I would love to visit the Netherlands. seems like a fascinating country to me. So thank you for listening to us and supporting our podcast. Top fan, Jerome van der Vos from, uh, and man, this is a good one. Jim always gives me the good ones. Uh, yeah, did, did I get you? Did I get you? <laughs> maybe, I'm going to go with Seherenberg, also in the Netherlands, at the border with Germany. Such an interesting way of spelling it. It's apostrophe S dash and then Herenberg. So uh, Jerome van der Vos, we're fascinated with your language, and we really, really appreciate your support of our podcast. And you're a top fan, so you interact with us quite a bit on our Facebook page, and we really appreciate that. Thank you very much. We're saying hello this week and saying thanks a bunch to Maruz Nowak in Poland, who gives us a nice live long and prosper hand online there. Thank you so much for listening, Maruz. Also saying hello to Julie Ann Krawcheck Ernstberger. There you go. How do you, what do you think about that, Jim? I nailed that one. And this person you, lives yeah, in Bay you, City, Michigan. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I saw that, and then I saw Bay City, Michigan. I was uh, I didn't even pay attention. I just saw the name, and I said, I'm going to get him with this one. <laughs> it's, great. it's great. I feel like I can follow the family lineage here, just no, living, growing up in the Midwest and understanding some of these last names. So Julie Ann Krawcheck. Ernstberger, I hope I got that all right. Thank you for listening to us from Bay City, Michigan. And final on my list is hello and thank you so much to Karen Kepp-Radke in Erfstadt, Germany. Erfstadt, Germany. Thank you so much, Karen, for listening to us. Charles, who's on your list this week? Well, let's start off with Thomas Timmerman from Maryland, USA. Then we got Marilyn McCorn from Delaware. Mark W. Pitt from Perth, Western Australia. Top fan Ken Jeffries from Surrey, UK. And James Fisk from Aldonia, South Australia. Jim, any New Yorkers? I'm not sure. There might be. Uh, first of all, we'd like to say uh, hello and thank you to Conrad Scholstrom from Nebraska and uh, Chris Rideout from Newfoundland and Labrador. Pretty cool. Top fan, Wendy Warnowski from Victoria, British Columbia and Canada up in J- 
GM Chris's neck of the woods, I do believe, right? Uh, other end of the other end of the country, nope. Actually, it's way closer to me, and I will tell you that Victoria is one of my favorite places I've ever been in my life. It is so beautiful there, you guys. It's like Cape Cod on steroids. It's really, really nice. But nowhere near GM, Chris. Not at all. But it's about six oh, hours right. north of me, and you got to take a boat to get there. Oh, cool. And we'd also like to say uh, thank you for listening to. Francis Van Neen from New Hampshire, not too far from me, about a couple hours' drives. And guess what? We do have somebody from New York on my list, Christopher Wetak from Rochester, New York. So those are our fan shout-outs for this week. Please, guys, thank you for listening. We really appreciate it. And if you'd like to hear your name on a fan shout-out, just head over to our Facebook page, and you know what to do. So now it's time for our Star Trek birthdays. That was not a Klingon song. All right, guys, we always start out our Star Trek birthdays remembering those members of our Star Trek family who, sadly enough, are no longer with us. And for that, we turn to Eric. Yeah, Jim, this week we're going to be remembering seven people who would have had birthdays this week. Our first one is actor Hal Lynch, who played Staff Sergeant, uh, who played the Staff Sergeant. He was not given a name. uh, In TOS's episode, Tomorrow is Yesterday. That's the uh, one of the travel back in time episodes where they go to the, the military base and shenanigans ensue. So Hal Lynch played the Staff Sergeant in that episode, and Hal would have had a birthday this week. Happy birthday. And Remembrance is going out to Hal and his family. We're also remembering this week Jake Dangle, uh, one of two Ferengi on our list. This one is Mordok from TNG's episode, The Last Outpost, which uh, what's special about Ferengi in that episode, Jim? Well, first of all, they had the whips, which we never saw again. We we just saw them once, and we never saw them again, which – which was an interesting weapon, actually, if you think about it. Um, it wasn't a phaser, but it shot a phaser beam and it, it coiled like a whip. I thought that was a cool idea. But I thought that was it, pretty cool. And the Ferengi were a little bit different back then. They were a little bit more skulky, a little bit more yeah. hunched over. Uh, they were like, and they wore they wore uh, like leather skins type, like uh, pelts type of furs, thing. Yeah. Yep, and they were kind of well, like they monkeys. Were, they kind of. They were supposed to be more kind of the new enemy, and instead of having a Romulans and the Klingons, they thought they'd bring the Ferengi in as the new enemy, and it didn't quite turn out to being the new enemy because we, especially from DS9, rather liked the Ferengi after that. That's yeah. right, and I think I think they sort of figured him out a little bit later in TNG. But Jake Dangle was one of the folks playing Mordock who got to kind of lay the groundwork for what would become uh, the Ferengi of the future. So uh, happy birthday to Jake! Uh, and thank you so much for all the work he did there um, playing Mordock. Uh, we're also saying happy birthday this week to William Baschini, uh, who played Omog, yet another Ferengi. Uh, in TNG's unification, and this uh, was a little bit different of a Ferengi. This is one of the 
shall I say, gluttonous uh, Ferengis that we see. Most of the Ferengis we see are kind of skinny and skulky. This one was was big and beefy and definitely had a little bit of a different demeanor to him. And I really liked his character. I thought it was great. Uh, so he didn't like playing on opera. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. That's right. I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, happy birthday to William uh, Bast. Sorry, it's Bastiani. William Bastiani would have had a birthday this week playing Omog. We're also saying happy birthday to Brian Keith, who played the character of uh, Mulibach in DS9's Progress, uh, a Bajoran, an elder Bajoran uh, in that episode. Great job uh, playing that character. We're also saying happy birthday this week to Ellen Albertini Dow, who played Felissa Howard in TNG's Sub Rosa, the creepy old lady. <laughs> I I just watched that episode yesterday. <laughs> it's a great episode, and man, she is scary, scary, scary in that episode. And and she's such a famous actress. If you look up her career, she goes back, and she's got other things that she was in uh, way back in time. So happy birthday to Ellen Albertini Dow. We're also saying happy birthday this week to Thalmus Rasulala who played Captain Donald Verily in TNG's Contagion. Uh, not an admiral, uh, but uh, Verily was kind of a really interesting character, I thought. He, he was presented with some, ish, uh, some problems that he had to solve along the way here. Um, and just, I don't know, I just really enjoyed him in that role um, and the way he interacted with Picard and such. So happy birthday to Thalmus Rasulala. And our final remembrance this week goes out to Richard Hale, who played the tribal elder Golro in TOS's episode, The Paradise Syndrome, uh, the sort of what people think of as the Native American episode uh, of TOS. Uh, so, yeah. Yes, sure. Yeah. So there you go. Uh, happy yeah. birthday to Richard Hale. Charles, did you have something to add to that? Nope. I just, that was a good episode, especially with the traveler. Yeah. Uh, that was well, our third yeah. and final episode with the Traveler. Uh, t- this is the TOS Paradise Syndrome, the one way back uh, in oh, the okay, TOS okay. days. Yep, yep, the other one. Uh, but you're I know right, which one okay. you're talking about. Yep. So happy birthday to Richard Hale. And uh, that closes out our remembrances for this week for uh, those who have gone before us who would have had birthdays. So Charles, let's kick off the people who are still with us that have birthdays this week. All right, I was listening to you talk and kind of looking through my list, trying to sort it and figure out how to sort it. So let's start off with Mary Linda Rapley, who played Irene Gallium in TOS's The Way of Eden. Robert Brown played Lazarus. And TOS is the alternative fact. And Robert Brown, I'm just going to say, playing Lazarus and the fact that he is still alive, I just think that there is some cool, like, synergy to that, honestly. He is, he's amazing. I had, to, I had to look that up to verify that, to make sure he yep. what list to put him on, and he's yep. still alive. <laughs> he is. <laughs> I, I can't believe all the TOS that I have. There's this. a bunch in TOS this week. It's really oh, fun. you got a really good TOS he one, does, too. I, yeah. I was going oh, to take it, but I gave it to you for a particular reason. <laughs> I know. Maggie Threat played Ruth in TOS's Mud Women. Margaret Reed played Dr. Servoa on TNG's Force of Nature. 
Deborah Strang, Clay Lieutenant, Talar in TOS 9, Rules of Engagement. And then one I know why Jim gave me, a second one I'm surprised Jim gave me. And it's hard to decide which order to do these two in, but I'll do them in the order that I put them in. First, we want to say a big happy birthday and kapwa to Guinan from TNG in the movies, Whoopi Goldberg. Yeah. And Picard to come. Have not <laughs> yeah, and yet, Picard. We've rumored of her. And the rumors that she will somewhere she will be in Picard. And then the one that Jim talked about, one more TOS. And that is a very big happy birthday to Bobby Clark. Fans may say, well, wait a minute, who was Bobby Clark? If you follow the Star Trek con and have been to him, you may have very well met Bobby Clark. And sometimes he actually brings his head with him. Bobby Clark was one of the people who played the Gorn in TOS's arena. He is the one that takes the credit for that episode. And, and, and thanks to Charles, and I, have I, have a, I, have a, I have an autographed Gorn bobblehead that's sitting right here in front of me on my computer, uh, thanks to Charles. Cool. That, is, awesome. that is not a bobblehead. Oh. That is a Funko not, Pop. It is not a bobblehead. Right. It is a Funko Pop, and he has a book. Yes, from, Bobby uh, signed by Bobby Clark, so that's pretty that's cool. cool. That's, that's why I gave Bobby Clark to you. Instead of me. Because <laughs> I got to actually meet and talk to him. Thank and I did covering, Thank you, Charles, for covering for Jim, who was sick at the time and was unable to travel all the way to yep. L.A. as he had planned. That was a big, big bummer for Jim. And Charles saved he wasn't the day. Going to, uh, wait a minute. You're sending Jim to L.A.? Or Las Vegas. So Sorry. Sorry. I said L.A. <laughs> oh, talk about people getting... People getting old today. I'm telling you. <laughs> well, I'll tell you that everybody around me, Charles, calls anything east of Idaho out east. So <laughs> that to me is new. Okay, I guess it's out east, Nebraska. <laughs> Nebraska. Well, listen, guys, we, uh, we're not done yet. We still have a lot more to cover, but we have to take our very first commercial break of the evening when we come back. I'm going to finish up our Star Trek birthdays. i got a couple of really good ones. And we're going to dive into the convention calendar, calendar, calendar. So run to the microwave, get those chicken wings, and uh, don't touch that dial. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Jamie from Chep Talking, here to invite you to join us for the best sci-fi themed podcast. Our elite team of Trexperts are here to discuss Star Trek and sci-fi themed content. Call 646-668-2433 Thursday nights from 7.30 to 9.30 p.m. Eastern Coast Time. We can't wait to hear from you. Live long and prosper. And we're back. And Jamie might be joining us a little bit later. She's watching Discovery right now. 
and uh, she might give us a call to talk with us about it a little bit later. We'll see. All right, back to our Star Trek birthdays, guys. I'm starting off with saying happy birthday to Bob Gunton, who played Captain Benjamin Waxwell in TNG's The Wounded. Boy, was that a good episode. Um, so good. He, you know, he he was absolutely correct. The Cardassians were up to no good. Um, but he kind of went around it the wrong way. But he, he had did. all the good intentions. But. <laughs> and he can't and, and you know what's, you know, he's wounded. He was wounded. But you know what was great about that? Jean-Luc Picard kind of faced down Gull Evic. They are, I think it was Gull Evic Gull um, Evic, at yeah. the end. He, yeah. he knew. He knew what he was he doing. He, he knew that, ben, that Maxwell was correct. He knew that they were illegally running weapons. And he knew that Evic knew it. And he just kind of faced him. He was like, look, dude, we know what's going on. You know what's going on. I know that you know. You know that I know. We all know that each other knows. So... You know, what are you going to do Political about it? Political drama. I love it. Yeah, it was love really it. well played by Jean-Luc. So good episode. And we got to hear uh, um, uh, O'Brien sing. The we best did. engineer in all of Starfleet. The it, minstrel boy. Multi-talented guy. Yep. So happy birthday to Bob Gunton. We'd also like to say happy birthday to J.C. Brandy, who played Marta, um, our Marty, in the TNG episode Papistry, but... She has a tie to Picard, too. Dun, dun, dun. Anybody remember? Uh, the tie to Picard. I am not bringing it up right now. No, I'm sorry. Yeah. Oh, um, the, is this the episode? Oh, Tapestry is the one about the, uh, the where Picard gets stabbed, right? It's like young Picard. That's the one. Yes. And on Star Trek Picard, um, uh, uh, Rios mentions that that uh you're right yeah he mentions her by name and says that yes captain bandios owns him a favor and and at the time like what does that mean well that is that is captain picard well i want to say girlfriend but that's this woman that was in the tapestry episode that went to the academy with captain picard and uh, they name dropped her on Star Trek Picard, so that was a pretty cool little tie-in, uh, because we got to see what would have happened had Picard actually uh, spent the night with her, what would have happened. That's right. And in reality, he, he never did, but in that episode, he did. Yeah. And his life turned out quite differently. So, happy birthday to yeah. J.C. Brandon. science officer Picard, right? Yep. <laughs> and she also got, she also has a distinction of being killed off by Michael Myers in Halloween 6. <laughs> for any horror fans out there, there you go. <laughs> uh, Michael Myers, who also wears a Captain Kirk mask, so you could say that Captain Kirk killed Captain Picard's <gasps> girlfriend. <laughs> oh my gosh, I love it! So, I love it. So, anyways, all kinds of ties here. So, happy birthday to J.C. Brandy. Uh, we also like to say happy birthday to Max Garanacek, who plays Grand Nagus Rom on Star Trek: Deep Space Nine. Um, great guy. And uh, the next one is another, we have a lot of Ferengi on the birthday list this week. We it's do, and a lot of heavy hitters. Um, I mean, a lot of heavy yeah. hitters. Yeah. Oh, this this it's particular inconceivable. Money. Particularly <laughs> inconceivable. <laughs> um, yeah. So we want to say happy birthday to Wallace Shawn, who played Grand Nagus Zek on Deep oh, Space yeah. Nine. He made Rob the Grand Nagus when he took off with Moogie. 
And uh, it's inconceivable that he would do that, but he did. Um, and for so anybody who doesn't who doesn't know Jim, finally, what was it, Jim? Six months ago, finally. Yeah. Uh, yep. <laughs> finally saw Princess Bride for the first time. Congratulations, yep, I Jim. Never, <laughs> never saw it. It's, it's inconceivable that someone could be not have seen that, but I, I didn't. I, I, that is true. And but and I, I always. I have now. That's right. I always save the um, Klingons for last, right? That's just just a tradition. That's just something that uh, that I do, right? Yeah, we just do it that way. That's true. So That's true. I I have a Klingon here for you guys, uh, Stefan Root, who played Captain Kabata in the TNG episode Unification. He's the guy that flew Picard and Data to. Uh, Vulcan, so that they could look yep. for Spock, and uh, he's the one that told Data that that the Romulan girls would lick that paint right off your ears. That was him. <laughs> so, happy birthday to! And we have a very uh, special one here tonight, right now. Um, I wouldn't be here right now doing this podcast if it wasn't for this next person. Um, seems to me like I've known him my whole life, but he'll be the first one to point out that's not true. Um, I met him back uh, in 1991 when I started when I did my very first Star Trek convention. He was but a fan who came strolling through the door. Um, later on, I got to know him better. He became a good friend of mine. Um, he was there at my wedding. He was there for the birth of Jamie. And I've just—it seems like I've known him forever, but I really haven't. Um, only uh, maybe 25 years, 26 years. Um, I've known him. Uh, he called me up one day and he said, hey, I'm going to be talking about Star Trek on my podcast. And I'd like you to come on with me. And I said, podcast? What, what are you talking about? I don't know about podcasts. I can't do a podcast. I've never done a podcast. And uh, he said, oh, it's easy. You'll be fine. And I came on his podcast. And at the time, it was called the Masters of Disaster podcast. And our Star Trek podcast was you. I started coming on with him to do a Star Trek segment every week. And guess what? Here I am on Trek Talking. Well, 15 years later, going strong with over 70,000 people following us on our Facebook page uh, because of that first podcast. And you guys may know him. Well, you know what? Yeah, I'll wait till a second. You guys may know him as the Admiral. He comes on this podcast from time to time, but he's actual name is Ken Swenson and he's responsible for getting me hooked on podcasts so I have to say happy birthday to Ken and thank you so much to the Admiral and as always we're going to send out this very special weird Al Yankovic birthday greeting to Admiral Ken if it'll play With another mouth to feed Seems that everywhere you look today There's misery and greed I guess you know the earth Is going to crash into the sun But that's no reason Why we shouldn't have a little fun So if you think it's scary If it's more than you can take Just blow out the candles And have a piece of cake Happy birthday Happy birthday to you Happy birthday
So happy birthday, Ken. We're thinking about you tonight. And I, I just want to add to that one more thing. My life has been so enriched through my involvement with Star Trek. Um, I have met so many great people, like both of you guys whom I've never met, but I've been talking to for years on this show. Um, it's a while. I, I wish I could have gone out to see the Picard premiere and met you guys in person, but I've been talking to you guys for years on this show. And so many people that I've met at conventions and cosplay events and, and um, things of that nature um, that my involvement in Star Trek. Yeah. And Shannon as well. That's right. I, I never met Shannon either, but you guys have. And um, Star Trek is just such a, 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 has enriched my life in so many ways. So I, I love Star Trek and I love all of you guys. So. Uh, I'm getting all emotional. Anyways, so uh, yeah. let's move on. <laughs> let's move on. So it's, it's time deal, for it's big deal. yeah. Let's do it. Yeah, let's do it. So it's time for convention, convention, convention. Calendar, 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 calendar. All right, there's our convention calendar intro, and that means it's time for conventions. Any of the conventions that we're about to talk about and mention on this podcast, I recommend that you get in touch with the hotel or the event location for any information on how to purchase tickets or find out who the guest stars are. All right, guys, that's what I would do because we just don't have the time to read it all off. So if you live in any of these areas and you're interested, call the hotel or the convention center for any future information. So first off, I want to Tell you guys about Starbase Indy 2021, November 26th through 28th at the Marriott East Indianapolis in Indianapolis, Indiana. In fact, I think Shannon's going to be at that one, if I remember correctly. So you guys can meet Shannon. She's going to be there. Um, We'd also like to tell you guys about Comic-Con Special Edition 2021, November 26th through 28th at the San Diego Convention Center in San Diego, California. Oz Comic Con Melbourne 2021, um, November 27th through 28th, and uh, yeah, excellent. Uh, we're gonna get we're gonna get to Shannon in just a minute. Uh, Oz Oz Comic Con Melbourne 2021, November 27th through 28th at the Melbourne Convention Center and Exhibition Center in Melbourne, Victoria, Australia. We also have Quad Con in Omaha 2021. Uh, November 27th and 28th at the Oakview Mall in Omaha, Nebraska. And Southwest Florida Con Fall Edition, November 28th, 2021 at the Crown Plaza Fort Myers at Belt Hour Shops in Fort Myers, Florida. And we do have, we do have Shannon on the phone right now. And we're going to talk to Shannon. Hey, Shannon, can you hear us? Yes, can you hear me? Absolutely. Why don't you tell us a little bit about Starbase Indy? Well, it'll actually be my the first time I've been to it. I've been trying to go for a couple of years, well, even before COVID. It's a smaller convention. But like Tracy Coco is going to be there. Muhammad Noor is going to be, but he's kind of busy with you know the whole being on Star Trek thing. Um, so it's more like a family event. Like scientists come and talk about stuff. Anybody can come like volunteer to do a speech. So I'm doing one. So I think it should be fun. And it'll be my first, you know, con since before COVID. So I'm so excited. 
and we had Tracy on the podcast, and she was she was mm-hmm. just a hoot to talk to. So I can only She's imagine awesome. how awesome she is in person. <laughs> She'd probably mm-hmm. be cracking she you is. up with her. She's just funny. I liked her a lot. Um, so well, I actually met her at the Picard can... premiere. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. See, see, you can throw that in my face. Keep throwing yeah. that in my face. No, no, Shane, but, but we got, but, so thank you so much for giving me tickets. I'm sorry you couldn't come. <laughs> I wanted to so bad. Um, I know. So anyways, um, Eric, why don't you continue on our convention calendar, 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 calendar. calendar. You bet. Our <laughs> next convention is in Comic-Con Germany 2021, November 27th through the 28th at the end of this month here in Landemesse, Stuttgart, Germany. We're also tracking Emerald City Comic-Con 2021, December 2nd through the 5th in Seattle, Washington at the Washington State Convention Center. German Comic-Con Dormund Winter Edition 2021, December 3rd through 5th, 2021 in Dormund, Germany at the Messe in Dormund. We're also tracking that LA Comic-Con, the big one, December 3rd through 5th, 2021 at the LA Convention Center in LA, California. And Geek Days Lily in uh, in Paris here, Lily Grand Palais in Lily, France, December 4th through the 5th. Charles, what's on your calendar? All right, I was looking. Okay, I had... <laughs> One of yours was doubled on mine because I sent to Jim to You're be right. have on the list. And now I see Emerald got City. Emerald, yeah. Com- Emerald City Comic Con marked on here twice. And yeah, I put it I on the list. That one, I'm old and senile. I, I make mistakes like that. <laughs> and the only reason I sent that one to Jim was the fact that I noticed one of my board gaming companies is doing demos at that convention. Mm-hmm. Oh, cool. Wish I could go, but we got Oz Comic Con in Sydney, December 4th and 5th in Sydney Showground, Sydney, New South Wales, Australia. Warren Comic Con, December 4th and 5th, also in Best Western Park Hotel in Warren, Ohio. Or you can go to the Canton, Archon Comic Book, Toy, and Nostalgia Convention, December 5th at the St. George Social Center in North Canton, Ohio. You got two of them in Ohio. And in Chicago Comic and Entertainment Expo, December 10th through 12th, McCormick Place, Chicago, Illinois. Oh, yeah. And that, my friends, is our convention calendar, and I hope you guys are enjoying that. Um, we used to read, this is how old I am, how long in the tooth I am, we used to go to Starlog Magazine's convention page to scope out where we were going to go and who we were going to see, but Starlog moved on decades ago. And so I just decided I think it would be a good idea to let you guys know where there's local conventions in your area. So I hope you're enjoying convention calendar. And that brings us up to our Star Trek news, news. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Incoming transmission. Enter authorization code. Command codes verified. Define parameters of program. 
Level 9 authorization required. Specify parameters. Transfer of data is complete. Black alert, yo. So, uh, guys, we have a very short Star Trek news section this week. Uh, just one quick story for each of us because we have two episodes of Prodigy to talk about and a lot of Discovery to talk about. So uh, we're going to keep the Star Trek news brief, and then we're going to dive right into the meat and potatoes of this podcast and do some Trek talking. So um, I just wanted to mention, first of all, that last week um, – we had on Kevin Guy from uh, Riverside, um, Iowa, and uh, talking about um, Trek Fest. And uh, Eric has our first story, actually. Um, I do. Yep. Uh, just about Trek Fest and totally related to having Kevin on last week. Money may not exist in Star Trek, but Iowa's Trek Fest does need some right now. Iowa's only starship is in need of a little TLC. Organizers of TrekFest, the annual Star Trek celebration in Riverside, have started a GoFundMe campaign for repairs to one of the centerpieces of their festivities. The funding webpage states, after 36 years of TrekFest, the USS Riverside NCC 1818 and her shuttlecraft are in desperate need of dry dock. For the non-nautical people, that means repair. Like all small towns across this great nation, funding for any discretionary projects can be a challenge. The responsibility of upkeep for the USS Riverside and other assets assets for TrekFest fall 100% upon the volunteer organization called the Riverside Area Community Club, RACC. While the city of Riverside does supply some financial support for events, RACC is responsible for the maintenance of assets and the actual festival operations. We do not have the manpower to do fundraising all year round. Just like you, we have homes and families to take care of, as well as other commitments to contend with, like church, school, children, jobs, and all that life stuff. Please consider our request seriously. We need your help. Riverside was officially referenced as the birthplace of Captain James C. Kirk in 2009 when it was mentioned that in that year in that year's Star Trek film. But the city council has had unofficially claimed Kirk as the town's future favorite son since 1986. If you'd like to learn more about Trek Fest or if you'd like to learn how you can support uh, their repair efforts to the USS Riverside, you can go to www.trekfest.org. And uh, it was a, a joy having a guy, uh, Mr. Guy, on the podcast last week. And uh, their, their ad, what they call their asset, the USS Riverside NCC 1818, it's really a piece of work, man. It is a very nicely constructed ship. Uh, he told us some great stories last week about who constructed it, who designed it, uh, a local artisan there, which is really cool. So you should go back and listen to that podcast to learn a little bit more. But uh, I'm sure every little bit helps. So uh, go to trekfest.org and check it out. Charles, what's your article all about? Okay, get ready to see a lot of Tig Nataro in Star Trek Discovery Season 4. Tig Nataro is a busy woman. Throw a pandemic in the mix and things get even crazier. The worry has been that she, in the guise of Star Trek Discovery's Jet Reno, would be getting minimal screen time in the upcoming season four. 
but these concerns are unfounded. Season 4 Discovery was filmed entirely under COVID-19 protocols, and Toro was not comfortable traveling the set, which was in Toronto. As a result, she missed much of the shooting schedule and had to backfill scenes later in production. Reno's sparring with the fellow engineer Paul Samus is a highlight for the fans and for Anthony Rapp, who played Samus. He admits he would love it in every every episode. We are apparently not going to get to see much of Jet Reno. Rapp is sure that we are going to get enough. And Wilson Cruz, who plays Dr. Hugh Culver, went as far as to say she's in there a lot. In the little time that we had, she really put her her to they really put her to work. Star Trek Discovery season four premieres November eighteenth. You can catch up with the first three seasons, streaming on Paramount Plus and available on DVD. And the nice thing with production the way they do those series is now Unlike the original series, you record an episode and in a few weeks or a month or so, you release it. Whereas now we can do the whole set so we can save certain scenes and put jet, record those scenes later. We can record scenes from episode one, we're recording scenes from episode four, eight, and 12 so that we can actually put the whole thing together unlike the old way in TV where if they weren't there, they weren't there, which I like that ability. Mm-hmm. Building the season actually, all at the same time. I actually saw a movie that Tig Notaro was in, a zombie, a zombie apocalypse takeover Las Vegas movie, and she played a helicopter pilot, and she had to fly these people in to Las Vegas, land on the roof, come back and get them and fly them out. And all of her scenes were all done at, at the same time, and she was never on set with any of the people. She never met any of the other actors, but they digitally put her into all of the scenes like they, like they did with uh, Trials and Tribulations um, when, they, when they put um, Bashir and um, O'Brien in. They went in and they digitally popped her in to this entire movie, and she was never there. And because I'm such a fan of her from Star Trek, I had to watch this this movie, which actually wasn't that good. But just to see her and how they put her in it, I was amazed at how how they're able to do that. So I'm thinking with Discovery, it's it they must have done a great job popping her into the episodes. So I'm looking forward to that myself. And guys, as always. I do cling on stuff because that's my thing. So IDW and, and, and not only that, but it's relevant to comic corner. So anyways, IDW is launching an alien spotlight series, starting with star Trek Klingon telling the legend of K less IDW publishing announced the release of star Trek Klingons for February. I'm not going to buy this one. I don't think I'm interested. I'm going to pass. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, I already have it on order, <laughs> um, which will be the first in a series of extra long one shots spotlighting the franchise, many memorable alien species writers, Jackson Lansing and Colin Key 
Join artist Timothy Green II to tell the legend of KOS the Unforgettable. The story of the legendary Klingon warrior and the founder of the Klingon Empire will be told, quote, from the eyes, <laughs> from the death of his coward brother Morath to his victory at Three Turn Bridge. The Klingon people provide a rich counterpoint to the Federation. They present a lifestyle that is loud and fearless, but also incredibly egalitarian and fair. No matter who you are, respect is earned, not given. Kapla, says Kelly. And with an artist of the caliber of Timothy Green II, IDW will continue its series touting prominent Star Trek species, starting with Star Trek Ferengi and featuring the Milky Way's most cunning and avarice alien. And that, uh, my friends, I'd... wraps up our Star Trek news. Star Trek Very, news. Like I, said, news. I was Very so excited short. about I, it's a short section, but I have to tell you, I'm just going to interject that I'm super excited about your story, Jim, because I don't know if you ever read these or not, but like back in 2007, 2008, 2009, they did have an alien spotlight series, and they already did Gorn, Vulcans, Andorians, Orions, Borg, Romulans, Tribbles, Klingons, Romulans, Q, and Cardassians. So I'm very wow. interested to see like how this series is similar and differs from that series. Actually, I do have a. Uh, you're right. I do. I have a, a Klingon book. Yep. I think you're absolutely right too. Um, yeah, they have um, just one. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, just one. <laughs> I, I have several copies throughout the house. <laughs> one that is already entitled Alien Spotlight. <laughs> so, all right, guys, it's time. It is time. We're going to be talking about Star Trek Prodigy. Our phone number here is 646-668-2433. We're going to be talking about last week's episode, which was entitled Dreamcatcher. That was episode four. And episode five, which aired tonight, well, today, uh, called Terra Firma. And, um, terror. Yeah, this is Terra Terror. Yeah, not, not Terra as not in terror. the mirror universe. Yeah. Terror. <laughs> like Michael Myers running around with a Captain Kirk mask type of terror. Um, so we're going to talk about both of those episodes tonight. So give us a call, 646-668-2433, and we'll get you right on the air. We're going to take uh, – what time is it? Yeah, we will. We're going to take another quick commercial break, and when we come back, we're going to dive into Star Trek Prodigy. And just to put you guys in the mood to get you pumped up, I'm going to play for you guys into this commercial break, the Star Trek Prodigy main title.
Star Trek Prodigy Dreamcatcher. Um, so basically, if you guys remember, uh, not last week's episode, but the week before, um, we, when we graded the episode, a lot of fans gave this a poor rating last week's episode, two weeks ago's episode, because they thought Da was a bit of a dink, which he was. And a lot of fans didn't like that, and that turned them off. However, I think that Dahl being in the dink that he was, as I said, was very relevant to the character growth that we see in that character that we saw in last week's episode and, and in the one that we saw tonight. And we're going to talk about both of those. And you know what that means, guys? Before we dive in, before I forget, and before I get angry emails and people yelling at me and telling me, you know, you ruined my life because you told me about Star Trek. I have to play, play our black alert warning for you guys. So let me find it so that you are warned. Here we go. Red alert. Suffice to say, full spoilers follow from here on out. So if you haven't watched the episode yet, definitely go check that out first before you watch. Black alert, y'all. We are about to make the jump to some serious spoiler territory. It- All right. You have been warned. So I don't want the angry hate mail if, if we've ruined something for you guys. Uh, so we're going to talk about Prodigy right now. And uh, we actually have some callers on the line, too. So let's see, let's see what we got here. Who's on the line? If this thing will work. There we go. Hey, good evening. Thank you for calling Trek Talk. And what's your name and where are you calling us from tonight? Hello? I guess you got me, Nate from Vegas. Nate from Vegas. We we got to have Nate from Vegas. How can we talk about Prodigy without <laughs> Nate from Vegas? <laughs> got to have me here to make sure that things are put in place. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Absolutely. And uh, we have we have another caller on the line, too. Let's see who this is. Hey, good evening. Thanks for calling Chuck Talkin'. What's your name and where are you calling us from tonight? Hey, my name's David. I'm calling from Portland, Oregon. Instead, we got the whole gang. We got David, we got Nate, we got Shannon. We're all here. It's going to be a good conversation. So um, <laughs> I, want, I want to let you guys know something in advance before we – I don't want you to think we're being mean, but uh, we, we went to the premiere of Discovery, which was on last night. So we got to see the first two episodes before, but Charles couldn't make it and hasn't had an opportunity to see Discovery yet. So we're going to talk about Prodigy for this next for the next half hour, and uh, then we're going to say goodnight to Charles, and then we're going to dive in and we're going to spoil the hell out of out of Discovery. And we don't want to ruin it for Charles, so we're going to let Charles go after we talk about Prodigy. So because we're going to do that, we're going to let Charles start us off with Prodigy Dreamcatcher and Terror, um, Prime of uh, Terror Burma. So give us your take on it, Charles. Take it away. It's all yours. Okay. Well, Janeway decides this ragtag crew needs to get a little more training. Come on, getting them a lot more familiar with the ship. And in the travels, she passes by a class M planet. Yeah, did she forget to have to mention what Class M meant? Um, so, uh, a few people probably might have gotten similar. They go, wait a minute, why would we go to a Class M? 
Well, for those that don't keep up their Star Trek knowledge, Class M is usually the most habitable of the planet that people want to go. And they're like, well, we're going to get captured. Nope, you're cadets. You have to go visit the planet. Okay, we'll go visit the planet. And basically find out that this planet... We're not sure if this is actually is a planet. Or if this is a living being or something on this planet living. And wants to make sure they stay there by making them and making them trying to keep them from leaving. Trying to find the pleasure them to making them want to stay. And Terra Firma Terra we Terra Prime we finally get to get a little more detail what's going on. <clears throat> We find out that the protostar has been captured. <clears throat> but Janeway, still, they are trying to take care of the ship. <clears throat> and Janeway, while protect- <clears throat> protecting the ship, we get a little bit of a teaser that we don't know about. Something's taking in power. And so something, Janeway can't do her full job because something's there that she's not allowed to deal with. But we get through a very good battle scene in there, a good, very trekky episode with Terra Prime, Prima. And that was getting me a little more on the edge of my seat, what was going to happen. We had scenes, people getting caught, having to deal with all these vines. And where we think the bat, we think her, her, her father is going to capture her. It's going to capture the ship. And the planet has tricked him. And they're able to get rescued. They go back and rescue her. We leave the planet and here comes the big ship, huge thing. Looks like a, looks like a little bit, a little bit the size of a star destroyer, as big as it was. <coughs> <coughs> and we get the big mystery deal that I'm not going to mention. But I sat with that scene and was like, wow, oh. That's so, that's so Star Trek. And, yeah, I think we're on our five, we're on our five episode and then a break for Discovery. And it's like, okay, I'm looking forward to episode six of Prodigy because I want to find out more about what happened. So what would you rate it on a scale of one to ten, Charles? Uh, this is... This was a two-part episode of two of Dreamcatcher ran more like about a seven. But Terror <laughs> pushed it, I think, to about an eight and a half. 
Tara really threw it up there and brought it together, and that ending was so worth it. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, Shannon's not with us yet. Uh, how about what about you, uh, Nate? We'll let you jump, jump in here next. We're doing them. We're doing the two as if they were one episode because they pretty much were the same story. <laughs> All right. Well. Uh... There were some comments posted on your uh, Facebook page, and I added my two cents in for what that's worth. Um, So uh, for the Dreamcatcher episode, you guys have a post. I I didn't see one yet for the the newest episode. Um, No, I didn't didn't get a chance to to do it yet. But I do have Discovery on there. Oh, okay. I, I didn't see that one yet either. Uh, it must be way up at the top then. Um, I scored this one a five because, uh, and now we're talking about Dreamcatcher, I still felt that Dow was annoying to me, uh, but not as extremely annoying as the previous episode. Uh, also, uh, I um, I have an issue of the, the way that, that – there was no common sense used. Okay, you have you have Gwen taking over the ship, and you still have Janeway there, even if she was able to reprogram her uh, with command codes and such. Uh, the ship has phasers on it. It's you get out of that situation by using your ship's phasers to cut down the uh, the roots, and you don't have it going and crashing and then. To, uh, like it did in the episode. I just wish there was some common sense in using of Star Trek technology to defeat the 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 drama scene. Uh, I, I felt that they should have uh, poured into that. Um, so uh, that was that was mainly uh, the reason why I gave it a five uh, because of things like that. Also, um, I had an issue with uh, the the um during the captain's log you it it appeared uh that some time took place and um there was it was just it seemed it, uh that you didn't that they were just treating Gwen yeah she was still on the brig uh but i i thought that if the, in that amount of time that there would have been some sort of connection with Gwen to get her out of out of that brig but um uh that was, that was just a side little issue my my real issue was the the ship not being able to, not using the phasers to cut down those roots but um as far as the current episode went uh, I thought it was immensely better than Dreamcatcher, and I would also raise it to uh, probably at least a seven. Uh, not quite back at the eight that I thought. And I also want to note that I no longer get the Star Wars feels, even though you had both the the villains uh, in there who I uh, again got Star Wars feels from in the first episode. Uh, I, I don't get that from them anymore. So, so that's, that's good. That's, that's a positive for, uh, for all the negative that I just gave you. That, that was a big positive for me is that I don't, I don't feel like I'm immersed in more of a Star Wars universe than a Star Trek universe anymore. Awesome. Awesome. And, uh, how about you, David? Hey. 
What do you think? Uh, Skip. Well, We're talking about the dream catcher and the and the one that was on today. Yeah, uh, I totally forgot to watch the one about today, but I did watch yes uh, last week. <laughs> well, that that that's so, a step in the right direction. <laughs> um, I I don't know. I'm I'm kind of in agreement with uh, Nate that said that there was not really any more of a Star Wars feel to it. Um, so. I don't know. Uh, it definitely got um, some of the uh, stuff that was going on. I actually liked this episode in particular because it kind of felt more Star Trek-y to me as like a TOS episode in a way because of the planet being alive, causing all this havoc for um, the, uh, the people who were on there. And it was just kind of reminded me actually more of a Next Generation episode, but um, it was interesting. I, I kind of liked it. Um, I'm trying to remember pieces of it here and there, but I, I'm I'm having trouble at the moment. <laughs> but um, yeah, I don't know. I I I like this, and I'm planning on watching the next episode here after this show. But um, yeah, not much to say. But <laughs> well, that, that's okay. It's okay. You, you you joined in, and that's the cool part. So. We're all about inclusivity, so that's pretty cool. And so, like, to what Charles was saying, well, I, you know, Eric, I forgot about Eric. How could I forget about Eric? <laughs> 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 Go ahead, Eric. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, so there's some cool uh, – I got to say, uh, Nate, I I pretty much agree with you relative to the first uh, episode. I kind of was like, uh, what are they going to bust out the phasers? And they also, at some point, they did bust out the phasers for the kids. They made a point of saying that they're all set to stun, which I think is good. Um, but, yeah, it feels like Hologram Janeway would have known to use the phasers. There were a couple times in these two episodes when, as a adult Star Trek viewer, we I was kind of noodling over, hmm, shouldn't they just da-da-da-da-da? Um, and I'm guessing that they're kind of just glossing over that uh, – for whatever reason, because it's a kid's show. I don't know that that's the right move. But but that being said, I love the fact that this was a two-part episode. I love the serial nature of of Prodigy. You know, it's definitely like you're getting more and more information about all these characters each and every week, which I think is really fun. And it's the way that what I'll I'll, I'll call modern Star Trek is kind of doing it, uh, where it's more of a serial thing instead of an episodic thing. Um, So that was cool. I... I really like that they brought in a vehicle. Um, I, gosh, I don't remember what they called it, but the, the cool vehicle that uh, Tal was driving around. It's the runaway. Re- the runaway, there you go, yeah. Kind of reminded me, you know, only because we have one other vehicle to compare it against. To the, <laughs> to the well, speaking of that vehicle, just to interrupt quickly, uh, yeah. I don't know if you guys noticed this, but the shuttle that was made in the previous episode had a zero six on the side and the runaway has a zero seven on the side. I just thought that was kind of interesting to, to, because it kind of mirrored like the, the, the old shuttles where the old yeah. shuttles would have numbers next to them. So you have one, the first one being the O six and then this one being the O seven. And I wondered if the runaway was also a replicated vehicle or not, or if it had kind of always been there aboard the protostar, um, because last week, of course, we saw a, that they could just replicate vehicles in the shuttle bay, which is really cool. So, um, 
uh, yeah, so the story kind of moved along. You know, it was, the first episode kind of felt more like a setup. I really did like some of these scenes at the very beginning of the first episode where Janeway is explaining things like tricorders and class M planets, like Charles was saying, and that sort of stuff to the kids, because that's the part of this show that is unique, that is introducing the younger generation to all of this Star Trek stuff. So I really did like that part of it. Um, and then, of course, you get kind of a big cliffhanger at the end of the first episode where the shuttle crashes, Gwen looks like she's in trouble, the protostar crashes, nobody knows where it is. Um, so that felt like a really cool thing that they had actually just had this cliffhanger um, right there uh, in a kid's show, uh, which is not something that I would normally think of having. <laughs> so the second episode, I have to agree with you guys, was superior to the first it really takes the story, turns it into a massive wow. adventure, um, includes all of this really cool like, visual stuff and really cool stuff about the characters. Janeway's limited in what she can do, and so she's got to get her Ooh, crew spoilers. back. Uh, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it's okay. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. And we, you were warned, David. And then, um, and then I'm gonna, with David, you may choose to put down the phone right now because I'm gonna, I'm gonna offer a big spoiler here, um, which has kind of been, yeah, go ahead, I'm listening. <laughs> it's sort of been semi-spoiled in the opening credits, but we do learn um, why the protostar is called the protostar, and that it does have ah. a very cool engine that can do some things that a normal engine cannot do. And I'll just, I'll just kind of leave it semi-spoiled like that. But let's just say. The good guys get away because the protostar has um, what I'll say is maybe some Voyager-inspired technology. We've got some uh, variable geometry pylons that move up and down on the ship. We got a, a type of drive. Uh, they don't call it the Pathfinder. What do they call it? The Path uh, something else drive. I can't remember exactly what they call it. But what it evoked for me was that whole Pathfinder uh project that Barkley had set up uh, that was, you know, able to communicate with uh, with everybody back in the Delta Quadrant and stuff. So, man, when the pylons drop and the extra engine engage and they get away from the bad guys, I was just like, yeah! <laughs> that was so cool. So, um, I really dug the overall story arc of these two episodes. The first one was a little weaker, for sure. I was more of a setup story. Uh, and so I totally validate um, all the things that you guys are saying about that. But the second one just uh, knocked it out of the park for me. So I'll give the first episode about a six, and I'll give the second one, mm, I'll give it an eight. It had lots of cool adventure in it, and, uh, you know, it didn't do anything too heady, but I think for a kid it would have been super exciting and, and fun to watch. Well, I, I thought the first episode um... – I, I was like, how are they going to wrap this all up in the next three minutes? And they did it. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, this is, I'm, I'm glad. I'm, because if they had wrapped it up in 30 seconds, I would have given it a zero. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they didn't. And they left it hanging, which, I, which was great because that speaks to the strength of the show. I thought it was hilarious when Dahl says, we're not going to no M class. We, we only go to class A planet. A. <laughs> like, a. And then Janeway had to explain <laughs> to him what, what, where he wanted to go. <laughs> you don't want to go there. <laughs> I, you know, I thought that was great. Um, I really like the character development that we're getting on the show, particularly in the second episode. And I think the second episode, to go back to what Nate said, the second episode um, gets um, Hooniwani, what's her face there, out of the brig, 
what the hell is her name? Gwen. Gwen out of jail. And, um, and she has a change of heart, and uh, which we knew was going to happen eventually. It, it happens in this episode, in episode five, is when that change happens. And something else I thought was cool is they go on a Klingon ship, and uh, they're, they're, <laughs> they're on a Klingon ship eating gach. And, and, Playing uh, with the Mechleth. Mechleth. And I thought, oh, my God, this is too cool. I loved it. I thought that was just that was oh. great. Oh, and Jim, and, don't forget uh, about the, the, sleep, the sleeper ship thing. Talk about that because I forgot to mention that. Yeah, when, um, when they're eating the Klingon gawk and uh, they're talking about this and that. Am I getting ahead of myself? No. no. Yeah. When, they're, oh, when yeah. they're sitting there. He actually mentioned that he was on a sleeper ship in the previous episode when he went oh. into that hut. Okay. And he was having the meal there in the hut. And then okay. in this, in the Klingon ship, he also mentioned the sleeper ship again. Right. Uh, so I just didn't know if you guys had caught that um, either in the, the previous episode uh, or this, ep- this week's episode. No, but when, when, uh, when they were sitting there eating the gawk and uh, they were all talking about the planet makes you see what you want to see to keep you here and make you happy. And so they're all talking about what they saw and what they wanted. And when they get to Dahl, and the Zero says, well, you know, he wanted to see his parents. Dahl immediately says, I'm not hungry. Walks away from his gawk and goes down to some other part of the ship. And there's a big hole in the side of the ship. And Gwen comes down. And that's when they start to bond. And I think if this was a normal Star Trek episode, maybe he would have kissed her. I don't know. But it's a kid's show. But at any rate, they're looking at the stars. And that's when he realizes that the stars aren't moving but the planet is, and that they can find the protostar by following the stars. And I thought that was pretty cool. So they go back and they find the ship. As far as the phasers, I, I distinctively remember Janeway hologram saying that she does not have access to the weapon systems. That's why she couldn't fire the phasers. But she did do something different, if you recall. She released the dots, and they, they went out and they, they phasered well, I don't know if they phasered, but they cleaned they the cleaned vines it. off. Deep cleaned. Yes, they they cleaned all the vines off of the ship because she doesn't have access to the weapons systems. I distinctly remember her saying that. Um, so yeah, I thought that's she why had she had access in the previous episode, though, when no, uh, she, when Gwen took her over and everything and reformatted her. Yeah, they blasted her. through like an asteroid and stuff to get out of where the ship was. I mean, they definitely had well, phasers she, that worked. Well, the, no, no, no. The ship has phasers, oh, but Janeway ship. didn't fire them. The, yeah. the kids fired them. Right. Remember the pew-pew button? Right. Yeah, yeah, Janeway, yeah I do. Um, Janeway specifically said that she doesn't have access to the weapons system. Um, so, uh, and, and, uh, <laughs> but what's her face? Gwen, Gwen did reprogram her, so I don't know how what what Gwen did when he reprogrammed her, but she well, did make the lot. She, she did. I don't think she reprogrammed her. I think all all Janeway says at that moment is she's in the middle of a sentence, and then she says, "Oh, you have access to all of Starfleet." So I don't think she reprogrammed Janeway at all. I think she just was able to gain access to the ship in a way that was unexpected. Right. Okay. And. Uh, you know, the fact that Gwen told the Diviner where to find them, and the Diviner shows up there, 
And the scene, the pivotal scene for me is the scene when, when Gwen breaks her leg and she's, she's got that really cool sword that she can control with her brain, which is really awesome. And she takes the sword from her arm and turns it into a splint so she can walk. And I thought that was pretty cool. That was quick thinking. And when the diviners, um, uh, I forgot the guy's name, dreadlock, dead, deadlock. Um, well, that's the robot. Uh, when the robot yeah. finds them, and Gwen stands up for the crew and says, you'll have to kill me. And he shoots the, uh, the cast. split thing. The sword. Yeah, yeah. Con the sword. yeah he shoots the thing, and she can't walk now. And she's laying there, and the crew runs away, and the vines are going to kill her. And they leave her there to die. They originally left her there. But when her father shows up, the planet plays a trick on her father, too. And the father has to make a choice. Are you going to save your daughter? Or are you going to go after the ship? The ultimate Kobayashi Maru choice. And the father mm-hmm. decides, I'm going to go after the ship and let my daughter die. And at that point, that's when Gwen realizes, you know, my family is, is not him. And then, of course, Dahl does come back and rescue her. And, and there we have the beginning of this, what's, you know, she's going to be a very helpful member of the crew. Because if you recall in the first episode... She says that her father trained her in Starfleet protocols and operations and, you know, all that stuff. So I think she's going to be a great addition to the crew. So overall, I enjoyed both of these episodes. I enjoyed the second one better than the first one. But I think together they tell a very cohesive, um, entertaining story. And as a part one and a part two, I'm going to give them an eight in my book. And, uh, so that, there you have it, guys. Um, wow. So we're, we're, we're getting ready to take another commercial break, guys, uh, but we're going to be talking about Star Trek Discovery, Kobayashi Maru. The wait is over. You've been waiting through all the protocol. You've been waiting through the whole show, and now is the time. So go to your phone and dial 646-668-2433. Give us a call. We'll get you on the air. We'd love to hear what you thought about Star Trek Discovery, Kobayashi Maru. And just to get you in the mood, I'm going to do the same thing. I'm going to play the Discovery theme song, and when it's done, we're going to dive right in and tackle this episode. Don't touch that dial.
we're back. And uh, I want to start off this conversation because no, you don't. Uh, I I I think that um, I. Oh, that's right. No, we don't. We have to say. I, see, no, I'm getting you're senile say again. Goodbye, your crew. That's right. We I'm have to transporting off. Yeah, we got to say good night to Charles, and uh, thank you so much for joining us, Charles. And have a happy and safe Thanksgiving. And we'll be back with the entire crew the Thursday after Thanksgiving, and we'll be talking about I don't know the title of the episode. I should know it, but I don't. The episode, um, well, we already saw it, but um, what's the name of it, Charles? Eric, anyone know? I don't know. TBA? I don't remember. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, we'll be talking about that on the thank, on the Thursday after Thanksgiving. So thank you so much for joining us, Charles, and have a very safe and very happy Thanksgiving. You do the same. Night, Charles. Everyone we have long and prosper. You too, buddy. Take it easy. <laughs> Good night, Charles. All right. So we don't want to ruin it for Charles. That's why we're letting Charles, we're cutting him loose. So one of the things I think for me, Jeff Russo just does a fabulous job with the scores, with the soundtracks that he comes up with. And I've said it before, and I'm going to say it again right now. He knows when to go with an original piece, and he knows just when to pop in something from somebody else, but not to overdo it. Just to, just And there's one scene in this episode yeah. When they reopened Starfleet Academy for the first time in 150 years, and they have the first class standing in front of them, Michael Burnham's giving her her introduction speech to, to the president, and the president says to look out the window at the Archer Starbase where they're going to build all their Space new Doc. starships and upgrade yep. them. And what do we hear? We hear the Enterprise theme song, and for Enterprise to get the love that I think it deserves, that so many people deride it and hate it, for them to actually name it the Archer Starbase or Space Dock, whatever. It, they call, then, yeah, just, they called it a, a Space Dock, but it's really a Dry Dock. Yeah, Dry Dock. <laughs> and they've <laughs> actually played like five or six notes, not the not It's Been a Long Road song, but the actual no. Enterprise theme song. And I was like, oh, my God, that's, that, that got me. And the other thing that I really liked about that scene, if you watched it, is the, the, the dry dock was a very reminiscent of Star Trek, the motion picture. It even had the, the octagon-shaped um, spotlights in mm-hmm. there that were yeah. shining on the Enterprise when it was in dry dock, when Scotty flies Kirk all around every angle of the ship in the motion picture. Very, very similar to that. And I, I just, I noticed that and I, I was really enjoyed that they, that they did that, that an homage like that. And it was the okay, soundtrack, so I just the have music. To know who, else, who else got goosebumps after hearing that song? Oh, I totally did. As soon as yeah. they go out the window and the song kicked in, I got goosebumps all over my arms. I'm like, it was amazing. Yeah, it was good. Yeah. <laughs> Jeff Russo was phenomenal. Um, but now that I've said that, dun dun dun, I, I got to say a couple things that 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 got under my skin. Um, when the episode opens, 
And I've already played the Black Alert. The Black Alert warning for spoilers that I played at the beginning for Prodigy carries on through to Discovery, by the way, because we're still talking about current episodes. So I'm, I'm not going to play that again. You've been warned. Um, I <laughs> didn't like the Butterfly people. I knew you were going to say just, that. I <laughs> didn't like them. I knew I just, you were going to say that. The I didn't like I was. I, I was I was thinking about the 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 white people with the side eyes and and that blink sideways and in, in, in the darkness. I'm like, why would the Federation even want to meet with these people? What what does this race have to offer? Why would they give them the lithium and the whole uh, transaction? Why would she bring Book with him? He's not even an, an actual Federation officer, and the whole thing just didn't play well with me I, I didn't like it at all and I'm like oh my god I, I hope that that the, it's not going to be like this it, it wasn't but the opening volley there I didn't care for at all so um, so all those people that uh, that are, oh you like everything well I didn't like that okay and another yeah, one I'm actually <laughs> very surprised <laughs> yeah something else that got under my skin just a tiny bit is when the when the president is us is talking to Burnham and says, "Well, we're going to offer you the pathfinder or the pathway, but you're not ready." And Burnham says, "Well, define ready." And she gives her this speech and she says, "Well, we're going to put this new uh, engine on the Voyager." And I'm thinking to myself, "Voyager, Voyager, what about Enterprise?" Okay, they keep talking about Voyager. Where no, is the but, Enterprise? Oh, but Jim, Why don't already, we have... But that just ties into the Voyager series. The fact that the drive has path in the name and they're going to put it on the Voyager, that also gave me goosebumps. That just ties right but, into the Voyager show. But, but where's the Enterprise? Who cares? The Voyager, well, the Voyager was shown to us last <laughs> season. Though. Right. We, we saw the Voyager already, and, and we already but know we it, it exists. It no, no, we haven't. Which but where will. is Enter? If, if Voyager is on J, what Enterprise are they up to by now? X, double Z. I mean, I mean, where's the Enterprise? <laughs> Come on, people! Come on! <laughs> You're gonna get All your right. Enterprise on Strange New Worlds, Jim. That's true. I will. Um, but those are minor things. I just wanted to point them out because so many people send me hate mail that I like everything and I that that. that. Well, I didn't like those two points. Okay. So there you have it. I told you something I didn't like. All right. Um, but but I thought that the writers were spot on. It seemed to me like they really got together because all of the bridge crew all had stuff to do in this episode. Uh, we, 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 um, we actually we saw Rhea in the captain's chair. Um, yep. we, we got to see Detmer. Get, they all had their moment to actually do something, which was really cool. They all got promoted, which was also really cool. Poor Harry Kim has been an ensign forever until he, <laughs> here she is. She's a lieutenant. She's a lieutenant. So, <laughs> you know, they, they, um, they got promoted, which I thought was pretty cool. Grudge, but you know, Jim, she has been in the command training program for 930 years, so. That's true. It's about time. <laughs> <laughs> I, I did. Uh, it was great to see Grudge. I love Grudge. So that was, it was cool that we saw Grudge and that she's the queen. So that was pretty cool. And, um, <laughs> you know, overall, I really, really enjoyed the episode. I didn't think I would by the way it started. 
But as it went on, it, it did get better from the from the butterfly people. I did like it. I did enjoy it. I do like the new opening credits. How they 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 changed them up, but they seem to do that every year. They changed up the opening credits, which was pretty cool. And uh, Starfleet Command, we got to see that funky Ferengi guy in the in the. <laughs> Oh, I forgot his name. Gronk, Gonk. I forgot his name. Yeah. But uh, we get Did we? I don't remember seeing him. Yep, he's there. He's there. And uh, the Federation president. What is she? Half Bajoran, half Cardassian. She's three things. She's she's Cardassian, Bajoran, and human. And I can't make up my mind if I liked her in the episode, though. No, no, Well, it's just a makeup. That she wears, it, it looks like a combination of those things to me. But they yeah, never they've actually talked, said it. They've talked about it in. Well, no, they didn't say it in the episode, but they talked about how that she was a mixture of three different races in some article that we read months ago. Um, and you can definitely, obviously, see the Cardassian markings. You can definitely see the Bajoran markings, and then the human, I think, is just kind of like what smooths it all out, which is why her markings are so subdued. Right. And, and, and I really like the fact that Kaminar is now being ruled by the by the um, the, the not the address by the uh, oil slick people and the and the Baul. Uh, the, the Baul. They're all together now. And the Celtics. Yeah. Yeah. They, they're all one big governing body. I thought that was. I was like, wow, that's pretty cool. And we actually got to see Kelpians that looked different than Saru, which I also thought was cool. So Which I enjoyed was awesome, that. Right, because then that's it, like the it thing. It's just more like verification of the fact that it is not a monolithic society, just like human beings. People get it through your six. Right. Not all Klingons look the same. Not all Kelpians look the same. Not all humans look the same. Come on. Yeah, I thought that was great that we we saw different Kelpians that weren't they were weren't Saru. We one guy with a, that had a big long nose, and and it was it was really cool to see the diversity amongst the Kelpians. And I don't know if you guys noticed or not, but Saru is the town elder. Um, he's like, like, you know, revered as the elder. And uh, they turned to him for advice, which I thought was pretty cool. Uh, he's got the elder badge that he wears and all that stuff, which was neat. Um, he's still a captain. They also explained why the burn will never happen again which I thought was another cool little tidbit to drop in is when they took Sukal away from the planet, he was no longer connected to it. So even if he gets mad at someone, he's not going to blow up the whole of the world again. So that was, that was pretty cool. Um, yeah. I, I, I like that a lot. Um, but overall, I, I did enjoy this episode. I really did. I thought it was very well done. I, um, I really like how uh, Michael Burnham didn't cry, and a lot of a lot of fans whine about that, but she didn't cry. And uh, I don't know how you guys felt, but to me, she felt like um, like a lot of Kirk in her, and a dash of Picard. That's what I felt from Michael Burnham. Um, yeah, she, her facial left- expressions were were really, really good in this. Because I also, Jim, I will tell you that I felt those two. I even felt a little bit of Pike influence, and I felt a little bit of just like modern 21st century woman influence too, which I think was just fantastic. Like a couple of the looks that she gave people <laughs> were just like, yeah, I, 
<laughs> I, I was very pleased with overall. I was very happy I, um, with the whole with the whole thing. So and before I'm going to stop um, and let somebody else jump in here. Uh, Nate, you want to jump in? Uh, I guess, I guess. Um, so for me, um, the episode now, uh, unfortunately, I don't know how it was with you two, but there was a lot of lag issues while we were watching, or at least while I was watching. Oh, yes, um, there was. So, it, it froze several uh, times for me. Yeah. And, uh, and I tried watching it full screen and it, and it was freezing. So I tried screen so we could see the chat and it was still kind of freezing. And then it was also, uh, uh, where the, I couldn't type in chat. So that, that was a little draw down for me. So if I were to watch it uh, again, maybe I'd enjoy it a little bit more. Uh, but for, uh, overall, overall, I was meh over the episode, except for a couple key positives that I'm going to tell you about. So I I enjoy seeing, since in all seasons for this matter, uh, Michael being put down a peg or two. And I enjoyed seeing the president do that, putting her basically in her place. But then there was also, during their conversations aboard the ship, I, uh, there were some points where I was like, oh, um, no, uh, Burnham actually has a point on this, Madam President, so I'll give a tick box to her. Or, uh, for instance, um, the, the whole thing of the president questioning her aboard the ship, her command of the ship, and when – she responds to it saying, when Burnham responds to it saying, are you questioning my, my leadership or my command, something to that effect. I don't remember exactly what she said. And the president says, a single question doesn't mean questioning. And I was like, no, actually, Madam President, it does mean you're questioning her competence aboard her ship. Uh, so there, as much as she was putting down Burnham, Burnham was, was scoring points back in my eyes as well uh, against the president. Um, and her get, getting put on the ship, she's the president of the Federation. She's the commander-in-chief, basically. Uh, she can go where, where she wants, when she wants. Uh, and obviously when she put herself onto the ship, the admiral was like, well, she's the president. She's going to go there. So uh, when Burnham was trying to get some support from the Admiral on that. Um, so, so I did enjoy that, that back and forth between the two of them. Um, I didn't have a problem with the butterfly people. Um, and, but I will say, if they're supposed to be this tech, have this superior technology, well, why didn't they know that their uh, satellites were messing with the gravity of their planet so they couldn't fly straight? Because obviously somebody had to put those satellites up there, uh, and if that species had that technology, why didn't they go up there and repair it themselves? Um, but for me, the actually right there at the end of the episode, um, with when uh, Book's planet gets destroyed, that with with that, I was like, oh, okay, something really interesting is going on now. So uh, so I was like, okay, 
this right there that that sparked more interest in the episode also for me after everything is said and done. But again, a lot of it, a lot of my my uh, bad feelings of the episode or my meh feelings about the episode probably was because of the 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 lagging situation that they had uh, with everything freezing while we were watching. Oh, it was bad. It was really bad. Did, did you notice that, that uh, Discovery has a holodeck now? It's the first time we've seen a holodeck on Discovery. I thought that was pretty cool. Oh, yeah, I did notice that. I don't remember if that was in that episode or the next episode, though. Oh, did I just did I just ruin something? Eric, help us I, I out here. Was, was that this? I don't remember seeing a holodeck. <laughs> oh, forget I said that. Ignore that. Strike that from the record. <laughs> okay. Uh, you are violated one credit for uh, you're fined one credit for a violation of of the, the secrecy clause. Yep, I'm sorry. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Woo! Got to get out of that one, David. What what did you think uh, about it? <laughs> um. Well, the fact that um. The butterfly people remind me of like space vampires. Um, I thought they're okay. I, I, you know, it's an alien race. They're supposed to be different, and you know, even though they tried to make them as less human as they could, you know, <laughs> I thought it was interesting that you know all these butterflies made them have like these wings that they could allow them to fly. That was kind of interesting, but I mean, it's not really per se Star Trek, but it, you know. Definitely had a sci-fi vibe to it, though. Um, other than that, uh, I thought it was okay. The first episode was interesting. Um, I kind of have to agree with Nate again about why couldn't they fix their own satellite. <laughs> but um, let's see. Another thing is, is that I think I think the uh, that, that whole situation with uh, Book's ship Every time they did it twice in that one episode. Every time it flew past the camera, it like broke up, and then the camera moved, and then it put 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 back together again. It was just like, okay, what's the point of that? <laughs> and so it was just kind of a little strange for me that they just kept doing that. And um, let's see, another thing is that the uh, um uh, yeah. I thought the president was interesting. I think this was the very first female president that we've actually got to see the Federation actually have. I don't ever remember any other Star Trek series had a female president before. Nope, you're absolutely right. I believe Star Trek Four was the first time that we saw a president. And it was that alien with the mustache. (laughs) Kind of half clean. That's right. (laughs) Or something. But yeah, um, so that, I, I don't know. This episode is alright. Um, as far as the uh, spoiler alert for the next episode. Um, yeah, I'm sorry, <laughs> I ruined that for you. <laughs> no, it's okay. Oh well. Um, but yeah, so uh, I don't know. I I think I think overall it was definitely different from the last three seasons of how Discovery handled itself and how they're putting the Federation back together. I thought it was interesting that. They started with an alien planet, kind of like how you saw in Star Trek 2009. Um, you know, or even actually the very first episode of Discovery of season one, they started on an alien planet. So I don't that's know. right. So I I don't want to I I don't 
I don't think this is really a spoiler because it doesn't have any really relevance to any of the story. But did you guys notice the triple? On the floor? Yeah, it was fast. It was a giant triple. <laughs> yeah, I noticed that. <laughs> At first, I thought it was a baby Horda because my screen scrapped freeze and I wasn't sure. But then it was squeaking like a triple, so it had to be a triple. So I guess they fixed the Edward DNA problem, and now they have tribbles on the ships. Was he a crew member, or was he someone's pet? I don't know. I didn't see a uniform. <laughs> he reminded me of a mouse droid from Star Wars. Like, he was just kind of yeah. rolling the halls for no reason. He was running away from someone's plate. Yeah. Yeah, he was just running around there. Um, I, I did enjoy Culber, though. I really think his care. I really like what they've done with his character in particular. But, Eric, before we run out of time, it's your turn. Uh, okay, uh, man, there was a lot, I think, to like about this episode. So the butterfly people, I'll just address that at the beginning, didn't, didn't particularly bother me. Here's what I did like about that scene. I love that Book and Burnham go in with the best intentions. And because they don't really understand the culture of these people, they talk themselves into a corner. And they, they screw up. And I think that that's one of the things that I've talked about before that new, newer Star Trek is doing that older Star Trek didn't necessarily do as much or did in a funny way with like Barclay or somebody, but they're just showing how people make mistakes all the time and how they can still persevere and kind of work their way out of tricky situations. So um, kudos to, to Burnham for giving it her best, really messing it up. And then in the end, kind of coming back around and making some new friends. Um, there is a little bit of a problem that I have with this kind of like, the Federation can only make friends because they have an infinite supply of dilithium to give away. So I, I, I have, I don't know, there's a little bit too much, uh, here, take the candy and, and do what I say to that. So, But I don't want to deconstruct that too much um, on tonight's show. Needless to say, Butterfly People, I like that she eventually made friends with them. Um, I really liked Adira in this episode, Adira, and then I think Gray actually comes in maybe at some point, uh, but at any rate, I loved her interactions with, or their interactions with the engineering team, particularly Tilly there, and being able to solve the problems along the way. Uh, just another great character that I can't wait to see where they take uh, them later on in the season. Um, I have to tell you that two days before I watched this premiere, my wife totally called that Burnham was going to restart Starfleet Academy. She's like, oh, yeah, she's going to restart Starfleet Academy, and they're gonna, she's going to be like the headmistress of all of these uh, new recruits and stuff because they need to build it in the future and this and that. So uh, kudos to my wife, Karen, for calling that one. <laughs> so she definitely got that one right. Yeah. But here's what I'll say. The the speeches that are kind of talked about there, um, which we sort of touched on just a little bit. First of all, I love the Federation president. I, I agree with Nate. I think she is an excellent, uh, not a foil necessarily, but just a counterpoint or maybe a mirror to Burnham. And, you know, making sure that Burnham is not being reckless Burnham all the time. She made some really, really good points to her. And I also agree with Nate in that uh, sometimes Burnham made some really good points back to the Federation president. Um but uh, what I got from kind of that whole scene was that they were – this is Star Trek kind of drawing parallels to more of what's going on in modern-day society. So I think that we talked a little bit about last season, the connections of, you know, dilithium with uh, 
dependence on single energy sources throughout the planet and that sort of thing and, and some of the parallels there. And I think that in this episode in particular, the president talks about how they are exploring other energy sources and they are trying different things and they're developing different drives with the idea that diversification actually makes the whole gang stronger in the end and that dilithium should not be the, the pivot point for an entire you know society or an entire movement or that kind of thing. So I really totally dug that. Um, the station was cool. I really liked the guy, Malice, who ran the station. I liked that he was like, don't mess with my console. This is my station. I'm in charge. Like, that's what a station commander would be like, right? He wouldn't let somebody just come in and start doing stuff. He'd be like, no, I'm going to do it. This is my station. I'm in charge. So love that. Jim couldn't agree with you more. I love where they're taking Culber. He is becoming a hybrid of really passionately caring doctor and counselor. Absolutely one of my favorite characters still. Still, since the beginning of the show, I love this guy, and he, they just keep making him better and better. Things that I didn't like, I still hate these uniforms. I hate them, hate them, hate them. I, they are so ugly in my mind. All the little badges, like the little neck thing, the little things on the shoulders, hate them. I cannot. The only one that looks good to me is the medical one. And I think it's because it's on Colbert because he's a fine-looking man. Um, <laughs> and the other thing that I didn't love was the lighting was off in this episode. Did you notice how blue Vance's teeth were? It was, like, so blue. It was really distracting to me. And I feel like some of their blue screen or green screen or something caught up with them because there was so much blue in this episode that it just kind of washed out and was actually distracting sometimes. So. I give this episode a very high rating. I really, really enjoyed it overall. I'll give it an eight for the season opener, um, but it was not perfect. And uh, Shannon, you get to bring up the caboose on Kobayashi Shimiru. Well, I, I liked the butterfly people just because the visuals were cool. Um, but, yes, I, I'm getting tired of uh, Burnham having to run off the cliff, as she said, twice. Um uh, but I thought it was very funny that, you know, they then showed them grudge. She's like, look, he's, she's fine, even if she's a queen. Um, but I really liked the most of the stuff last season better just because it's like you don't start the season with blowing off his planet. I'm sorry. That doesn't work for me. So, but yeah, I also don't like the, the suits because they keep changing the uniforms every time, which means we have to buy new ones or make new ones. So I don't like that every season. It used to be every movie. But now it seems to be every season we need to get a new uniform. And so they wear, like, give it four like, different uniforms in this episode, too, Shannon. Yeah, how many different ones? Yeah, they had I don't know. Yeah, I have, I wore, yeah, last night I wore my season, I wore my season one star disco uniform. It's the only one I have. I'm not buying another one. <laughs> but, yeah, so I give it, like, a seven, you know, just because it's a not seven. as good as last season. Yeah. And, uh, all right, well, Eric. We always ask our Facebook fans to score the episode. And luckily, I had time to get the post. I didn't have time for Prodigy, but I did get Discovery up on our Facebook page before the show. And what did our fans have to say about Kobe Ashimaru, Eric? Well, on the scale of 1 to 10, Daniel Began gave it an 8. Gustavo Ippolito gave it a 7. Ross McLean gave it an 8. Top fan Francis Booth gave it a five. Uh, Crystal Ann Tronball gave it a three. 
top fan, Billy Covington Jr., gave us a paragraph. Ten, being a military veteran, I sometimes shake my head when I hear politicians giving their opinions on what the military should and should not be able, especially if they have never served. And so far, um, this is how I feel about Madam President. Not my idea of her. Uh, now, my idea of her might change as the storyline goes on, but for now, I'm not sure. Now, I ask this question. Would any of these captains not have done the same thing as Burnham tried to do? Archer, Pike, Kirk, Spock, Picard, Riker, Cisco, Janeway, question mark. Good points, Billy. Uh, but glad you liked the episode with that 10. Uh, top fan Mac McGowan gave it a 10. Kevin Beeson uh, will be generous and give it a 7. Kale Holmes gave it a 5.5. All hail the queen. And John, <laughs> and John Sherratt said, well, seeing as you stopped everyone outside North America, oh, we talked about this, watching until some vague, uncertain time in 2022, I give it a one. John, uh, man, buddy, I wish I could make it different for you. Uh, we feel for our international watchers who cannot watch it right now. So, Jim, that averages out to a fan score on our page of a 6.5. 6.4. So I believe that is the, I do not have the actual numbers in front of me, but my feeling is that that may be the lowest rating for a season opener for Discovery that we have seen. I feel like we're usually up in the sevens. Yeah, I think, I think you're right. I think that's the lowest one that we've had so far. So kind of interesting, is, uh, definitely, definitely sets up, you know, uh, maybe the anticipation was a little different for this season because we're already in the 32nd century I'm not sure what's different. Um, but, yeah, interesting episode overall. Well, a lot, I think it's a lot of people are upset over the Netflix thing and, and you know, and it, it shows. But, again, John, we have nothing to do with it. I apologize. We, we touched on it at the top of the show, but we have nothing to do with it. So, anyways, we made it through another show. Can you believe it? Oh, my it? gosh. It's true. <laughs> And we, we had a squeezed full house. Thank you, guys. Yeah, we squeezed it all in. So I already said thank you to Charles. So I want to say thank you to David for hanging out and Trek talking with us. Thank you so much, David. Yeah, you're welcome. And definitely we got to say thank you to Nate. We, we always appreciate Nate from Vegas hanging out with us. Thank you so much, Nate. You're welcome. And uh, we have to say thank <laughs> you to Shannon. And we always have a chair at our table for you, Shannon. Thank you for hanging out and Trek talking with us. Thank you and letting me thank you for that. Sorry, thank you for letting me come on twice today. Actually, oh, so. <laughs> you can come on as many times as you like, Shannon. Yep. There's, there's no limit. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, thank you so much to Eric for hanging out and Trek talking with us. Thank you, Eric. Oh my gosh, good times as always. Thank you all. And thank you to each and every one of you guys listening, no matter where you are. We really appreciate all the support that you guys give us. It, it means so much to us that you think that we have all this power. It's, it's just <laughs> awesome. So um, thank you so, so much to all of you guys. I'm your most excellent host, uncle Jim. And I want to say to everybody, please stay safe and be good to each other. There won't be a show next Thursday because it's Thanksgiving here in the U S of a, but we'll be back the following Thursday with another fun show. So as usual, hailing frequencies are closed. Good night, everybody. Bye y'all. Good night. All right then. Everybody ready? Yes, sir. Let's fly.
With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 